everyone and welcome to In Conversation with Lisa Burke. Today we're going to talk about something really close to my heart. It's science and particularly science for children in Luxembourg this summer, what's on offer for them and moving into the autumn term. And I'm joined by two people, one of which you might know, Joseph Rodesh, who is a chemist, passionate about science and science communication. And he is also known as Mr. Science, performing shows across many stations in Luxembourg. Also with us is Michel Weber, a biomedical scientist who joined the FNR as a science communicator in 2014. She's one of the editors of Science.lu, Luxembourg's science website for the general public. Welcome to you both. Hi, Lisa. It's Hi. really, really great to have you here. And I know you've come from experiments with students and we'll dig into that a little bit later. First of all, though, Joseph, why did you develop the idea for Mr. Science and who is he? I was always passionate about science communication already when I was a student. I saw that it's much more fun when you're explaining cool scientific facts, when you just show them the fascination for science. In my daily life, I'm also very fascinated when I understand things, so for example, how fire works or just a flame, for example. What is it made of? All these things are so fascinating. That's driving me, I think. The That's curiosity of a scientific mind. Yeah. Absolutely. And Michelle, what's the importance to you of being a science communicator? You've transitioned from being a very in-depth biomedical researcher to science communication. Why that shift and why is it important? Yeah, when I was a scientist, I already enjoyed communicating my science to different audiences. Would it be scientists or lay people? And then came a point where I had to decide what step to take next. And actually, when you are a scientist, you very often work on a small piece of the puzzle. But as a science communicator, you get to talk about the big picture that that puzzle shows. And I decided then that I would rather be talking about the big picture and tell other people how scientists work. And what is science.lu? So science.lu is a website that was started by the Luxembourg National Research Fund, who we both work for, in 2013 to inform the general public in Luxembourg about science in general, get them excited, but also about research happening in the country. The website has a number of different formats. It has videos, it has articles. It also has got a section with experiments to do at home. So it's really just to get people curious and excited about everything science. And it's been so important to have this online access for parents during COVID. I'm sure your your digital presence had to increase quite substantially. So when it comes to the offering for children living in Luxembourg to discover science, how would you suggest they go about it? There's several centres in Luxembourg that offer scientific activities. One would be, for example, the Natural History Museum in Luxembourg City. One would be the Science Centre in Differdange, the Musée Tudor, which is focused on electricity in Rosport, in the east of the country. And another one that's focused on the five senses is, is the so-called Park Zennesreich, which is in Loulange, which is in the very far north of the country. And those are all permanent structures that offer interactive experiences, shows, workshops where people of all ages can really touch science. Yeah, because there's so many ways to learn about science. We have the, the videos that are available to us all over the world online. And then, of course, I know that recently you've got onto TikTok as well. How's that going? 
Yeah, that was an idea that came up because of the lockdown. Usually I have my TV shows once a month and yeah, I was in preparation of a TV show and I knew that would not gonna happen. And we decided in the team, ah, let's do something that makes sense in this time. And doing one show a month is not enough. So we had all the children at homeschooling. And so we thought, okay, let's just take our experiment book from the shelf and we make short films about the experiments just to motivate young people to watch a one minute video or half a minute video and to, to do experiments at home. And then we all had our phone. So it's very easy to make these videos at home. And TikTok was a platform that yeah was already interesting for us. And we thought, okay, let's try it. This was a perfect moment. So we had the short videos, we took TikTok and TikTok was incredibly rising in audiences uh, by that time. The first video was already seen 3,000 or 6,000 times, which was already the maximum we had on YouTube for one video with my Mr. Science videos. We did more and more, and then with 20,000, 60,000, and we had now recently one of over 3 million views. These small homemade science videos have a lot of success, and we got a lot of attention from other media, like Konrad Kamasiv and also uh, RTL, obviously also. <laughs> they asked us, hey, can we take the experiments to show on our sites. They have a children emission on 100,7 where we have the same experiment. Now there's also a TV show on RTL for children, which comes on Sunday evening from September on. We present also the small experiments we did in TikTok videos. That's so amazing that you got such an increase in audience levels through TikTok. Congratulations to you for really hitting that medium. And I think maybe another reason science was so successful during lockdown is the poor children through homeschooling, they didn't have an outlet to move around to do things. And one of the most wonderful things about science is that you can touch it. Like you said, Michelle, you can feel it, you can touch it, you can do it. So it's learning in a different way. So thinking about that and education, science education in Luxembourg, do you think it's good enough from primary level? No, well, <laughs> um, no. I think one could start earlier already to get children really more excited about science and more involved into science. But this has several reasons. It's very often teachers, especially in primary schools, it's been a long time that they have done science themselves at school. So they very often don't feel comfortable with the subject. But in fact, from the National Research Fund, we also work with teachers to try and improve this. So we actually offer trainings for teachers to get more confident. And in those training sessions, we actually tell them it doesn't matter if you know nothing about science. Discover it together with your pupils. And we encourage them to actually do hands-on experiments in their science classes at school and just discover the answers together. They don't have to know all the answers. Because that's part of the scientific questioning, the scientific method yeah. and the way of thinking. And I know for you, Joseph, from a conversation we've had previously, that that mental capacity to learn the scientific method is, is quite dear to you. Yeah, so we we tried to explain the importance of a scientific method. So Which you're going to have to explain now to our audience, <laughs> just in case some of them may not be scientists. <laughs> so uh, the main point that you first make a hypothesis, hypothesis, yeah. you say it like this? <laughs> hypothesis, exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, before performing the experiment. So you don't do the experiment right away. And, and we should maybe just explain what we mean by hypothesis as well. You think about what's going to happen and then you try to prove it with the experiment. 
that's a scientific method. And then there are some steps before you have research, literature and so on. But I think the most important part is really that you question yourself, okay, if I'm going to pour this liquid into the other liquid, what do I think is going to be happening? And then when it's happening, then you can really observe something. I have one example that I gave you last time. Should, mm -hmm. I, should I talk about Which it? Which I loved. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a New Newton's pendulum. So this is are uh, these five balls hanging onto strings. And when you lift one ball up and it crashes into the other four balls on the other side, you have like a beard effect. There's one, it's moving up and then it's uh, moving back and forth. Like it's tick, 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 tick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know. So if you're lifting up one ball, the other side comes one ball off. If you're lifting up two balls, the other side come two balls off and in total they are five and then i always ask the question okay if i lift now three balls how many balls coming off the other side and if i would have let them do the experiment before asking the question everybody would have said okay that's uh, logic that this is like this but if i ask the question there are people are saying Hmm, there's only one going off. Other people are saying there are two going off and other people say it should be three, but it's not possible. There are only two left. And then they realize only by formulating the hypothesis, uh, <laughs> uh, they realize that there's really an actual problem. And afterwards, when they are doing the experiment, they learn something that stays in your mind. So I... I'm going to reveal it, how many balls fly off. Oh, um, um, I think we should direct them to one of your videos. If you have this on one of your videos, or if you don't, you can do one for us and we will link that to, I to this. I uh, think I'm going to do uh, one until we, we link it then. Wonderful, because I really love this question, because like you said, it seems so obvious and yet it isn't when you really deeply think about it. And then it brings up the question also of, yes, you find the result, you see the result, but then the next step is you have to explain the result. <laughs> which is a, even more complex, which we might not do. I, so that's what Michelle talked about. We uh, tell the people that there's no need to explain everything because many phenomena that we encounter every day, they are really very complex to understand. And for us, our idea is that we teach the teachers doing experiments and having experience with science and with our experiments. Our aim is not that you understand perfectly everything, but you get experiences and then step by step you manage to explain more and to understand more of the physical or chemical or biological problems. And it's not by giving an answer of two minutes uh, learned by heart that children will understand more. That's not our aim. As a teacher, you stand up after the experiment and now I'm going to explain you how this works. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a fake idea that a lot of people have in mind a teacher should know everything and it should stand up at the end and say okay this is the answer no and that's not that's what what we are avoiding and in, in fact yeah that's a lovely way of putting it and it's it's really like a, a a very deep form of learning which is teaching a student how to learn how to question to hook their curiosity also when it comes to science not everything goes right. So do you think, apart from doing the science and doing the research and hopefully getting results at some point, do you think it changes your character? Does it build a strong character? Absolutely. <laughs> so I have actually done a PhD, which is uh, normally three to four years of intense research work where you work on one topic, you do lots of experiments. And from my own experience, I can tell that a lot of the experiments fail. And even if you think about possible hypotheses beforehand, you then try it and it 
turns out that your hypothesis was wrong. And so you maybe have to come up with a new one, do new experiments. But very often you also have to fine-tune your method to be able to actually get answers to the questions you, you ask. And so that requires patience. It requires persistence and a certain level of mental resilience as well. Because, yeah, you have to learn how to deal with uh, setbacks and failures and still keep that drive to find the answer. And then when you get that answer, that is an amazing moment. And in fact, that's what always drove me forward I'm also a surfer. It's a bit, <laughs> a little bit similar. You you fall off many waves, and when you catch that one wave, it's just amazing. And that's a bit how it is with science. When you have a positive result, that's what keeps you going. That's a wonderful, wonderful analogy. And just linking back to something you were speaking earlier, and the fact that you're both such strong and well-known science communicators in Luxembourg. Do you think the language we use around science and when you're training teachers, the language they use or the community at large or parents, it's often said that uh, a parent might say to a child, oh, I was never good at maths. I didn't like maths. And they might do the same with science. They might perceive science to be hard for whatever reason because they didn't enjoy it for whatever reason in their background. So do you think as the mentors of children around us, we should be careful with the language we use when it comes to science? So um, the language, do you mean English, uh, French or oh. German? Or do you mean, uh, <laughs> I mean how, how, we, how you teach? Uh, I mean the way in which we speak and we should be careful not to say to a child, oh, that's hard. I never liked that. I was no good at that. Therefore, you might find this hard. Mm -hmm. I think this is very crucial. <sighs> But it's really hard to, to change the, the opinion. I hear it really every week, at least once, that people say, yeah, I, I like what you're doing, but I was never good at chemistry and I, I will never never understand this. So exactly what you told. And that's, that's really a pity. And that's what we are working on very hard uh, to make science part of our culture. So that you that you can't talk about music. There's nobody who's saying, oh, no, we cannot talk about music because I'm not a musician. You can talk about music. It's part of the culture. So you can like something or not. And it's the same with science. You might not be the scientist, but you can, however, talk about an exciting moment in science, a discovery in, in space or a discovery on Earth, medicine or a vaccine, for example. Well, exactly. <laughs> And that's become really such a, a present part of our lives, even to this day, of course. And so with part of your work at Science.lu, Michelle, when you're trying to bring science to the general public, Do you think the general public have a good enough basis of knowledge of science? Uh, probably not. And in fact, that's like my biggest passion or endeavor that currently drives me in my communication job is to increase the scientific literacy of the general population. Because science surrounds us all the time, not just in a pandemic. And we now have obviously over the past year and a half been confronted with a lot of science and scientific concepts that before we'd never have to think about or even came across it. To take one example, I didn't like mathematics at school. I loved biology and I went on to study biology. But now we have a very concrete example. A virus spreads by exponential growth and that's mathematics. So you never know when you're going to need to use certain types of knowledge that you've gained. And 
I wish for the general public to just get a higher level of basic scientific knowledge to be able to understand key concepts. And this can be anything from understanding how your heat pump works that brings heat to your house or Mm -hmm. understanding how maybe a solar panel works, uh, stuff that you might want to know when you are constructing a house. It doesn't have to be uh, pandemic related, (laughs) something every everyday life related. Yeah, I was thinking about what you were both saying. I love the music analogy, but the thing with music is it's not a life or death situation. It's something that makes our lives beautiful, whereas an understanding of science could affect our lives. It really could if we had a deeper knowledge of it. We could make maybe better choices or at least ask better questions. Exactly. I think that would be great if people could, instead of just accepting everything as it is, to just ask themselves more often, I wonder why that is, and then go and dig and try to find out. And it'll all be there on, I don't know, TikTok or YouTube or somewhere on Google. Do you think the government in Luxembourg is investing enough in science? I think that Luxembourg's government is investing a lot into science, but we have a system that cannot absorb so much more. I think you have a growing number of science communicators that we saw in the last years. And three years ago, we had our first uh, SciCom Luxembourg, a meeting where all the science communicators meet. And when we were planning this meeting, <laughs> we just thought, OK, how many people are going to come to SciCom Luxembourg? And we thought, ah, 30, 40. And then we were counting them and it was over 100 already working in Luxembourg in this field. So it's a growing field. And I think it's, however, slowly growing. Even if you pump a lot of money in a system, you don't get experts overnight. It might take time. Yeah, I'm not going to say government has to invest less because no, I think no, there's still a need for more. Yeah, we're not on a level like other countries. But Luxembourg is always very special because we have all these languages that we learn. It's obvious that it leaves less space for, for all the rest. So I, I had the impression my German colleagues, for example, they had much more knowledge about geography or also sciences because they had more time. So we have seven hours of French, we have seven hours of uh, English and uh, also quite the same of, of German, depending on the year now. I don't know the exact numbers, but if you only have 30 hours a week uh, in school, then yeah, it leaves less time for, for science and also for uh, discover science in a way that where you have more time, so where you get time to do experiments. Uh, that you have to be in smaller groups, and you have you need much more time than than for one course uh, of chemistry, where you just learn how to write formulas. If you really want to do experiments, where you discover something, that takes more time. And I think we don't have this time in school. No, that's true. I've seen from my daughter's uh, timetable that there hasn't been so much on experimental science, which is a shame because it's another way of learning it. Michelle, do you think the government have put more emphasis on the knowledge economy? Yeah, I mean, there has been a very um, big political decision around 10, 15 years ago to invest in public and private uh, research. And for example, the creation of the University of Luxembourg was just one of the steps. Uh, In fact, the government investments in public research, they have over the past 15 years increased more than tenfold. 
And the results of that are now starting to appear. So we have now a certain areas where Luxembourg is, is very good and at, at a global level, like material sciences or information and communication technologies, certain aspects of biomedical sciences, for example, neurodegenerative diseases, we are now playing with the big players. These investments, we now have to see whether the level is going to stay high. Luxembourg's research landscape has developed over the last 10, 15 years, bearing in mind that the first public research institutes were only created 25 years ago. So unlike other countries like Germany or the UK, who have a, a history of doing research that has lasted hundreds of years, Luxembourg doesn't have that yet. And Not yet. No. <laughs> You're making me think of something like the Royal Society, where you have a forum for conversation around science. Back then it was... Well, I was about to say easier, but perhaps not easier. But there was one place where there was that forum for science communication. But now we've got so many different layers and levels to find it. So it's, it's good and bad. It's, it's both. But uh, I am so happy that uh, science is growing in Luxembourg. So just to conclude then, to leave our younger listeners or their, their parents or guardians with a message for the summer. How can they get involved in science if they find themselves at home or a little bit bored through the, the sunny or rainy afternoons, what can they do? An experiment. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. of course, an experiment. And yeah. we'll link to all of those. And upcoming also, I think you've been working even today on some experiments that might be used at the Science Festival. Yes, that's end of the year in the beginning of November. That's the biggest festival for science and that's happening in Luxembourg. And I don't know how many booths are going to be there this year because of COVID. It's a little bit restricted, like everywhere. You have a lot of festival stands where, where you just can go and do experiments. And we are also preparing our own. Yeah, I also found another nice little thing to do for summer, especially for younger kids. Uh, the Natural History Museum in Luxembourg City, they have two clubs actually called the Panda Club and the Science Club. And they offer activities throughout the week and throughout summer. The Panda Club for 6 to 11 year olds and the Science Club for 11 to 14 year olds uh, or even older I don't remember exactly. Most of them are in Luxembourgish, but I believe they also take on you know, English-speaking children. And the Panda Club has a very nice summer challenge, actually, where every month they post a challenge. For example, uh, last month's challenge was to construct a float. Wonderful. And, so uh, they can so send it there in. will be a new one for August. Yeah, you can just send in pictures of what you have done at home and participate in this challenge. This is so lovely. So I think in some ways COVID has been good to enlarge the community and to have that social outreach. And I thank you both for your time. I know you've been really, really busy today and you're going to go back and do experiments with your students. But it's a pleasure to have you here. And let's hope that the, the knowledge of science increases, that curiosity continues and that general knowledge of science will never, will never sink. Thank you both so much. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you.